How's everyone doing? Welcome back. This is our third episode of Cleveland's Entertainment Podcast. This is your host, Marty Barnard. It is my pleasure to have two guests on this episode. We have Larry Lawrence, local legend himself, and we have none other than his own son, Austin Lawrence, joining us. I will turn it over to them. Let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Larry Lawrence. Uh, I've been playing music for 40 plus years here in the Cleveland area. Um, started out in, in high school and uh, it's just kind of, it's kind of, you know, continued from there. So uh, still doing it and uh, still enjoying it. And uh, my name is Austin Lawrence and I think my first gig was about 13 and I'm going to be 26 now. So playing for a little bit, uh, started playing more of my own music at the places like Grog Shop and Peabody's when those were bigger. And then uh, May Halls was the you know bigger place then to play. And then most recently have been performing in a uh, acoustic duo with my girlfriend as Monochrome Mary, where we do uh, cover sets. The House of Blues. Yeah, at the House of Blues, yeah. We have two generations of performers here. Yeah. Both local legends doing a little bit different things, but it's been really great. I've had the pleasure of seeing both bands play. And while they are different, you definitely bring some energy out. People love the live music and it's great to see that there are local bands out there just looking to have fun, looking to play. So my first question for you is, you know, we can tag team this however you want, but what resources do either of you feel Cleveland provides its local entertainment industry? So what what's out there? What can local musicians tap into? I just want to hear a little bit from you. Yeah, you know, for me personally, this is Larry. Um, really, to be honest, uh, up until social media, because again, I've been doing this for 40 plus years. So really up until social media, there really wasn't uh, in the, uh, I guess, <laughs> because I'm an old guy, I guess I would say in the old days, uh, back in the 80s, um, you know, you had seen magazine. That was probably the number one um, uh, publication where, you know, you, you saw what bands were playing, where they're playing, uh, you know, um, musicians advertising for other musicians for bands, that kind of stuff. And that was pretty much it, to be honest. We really didn't have much. Now, with social media, you've got uh, Facebook and you've got all kinds of uh, sites on Facebook, you know, Ohio Music Scene, um, the Blues, Cleveland Blues Society. uh, And there's several others out there. That's just a few I know that I belong to. So that has made it. And then to jump back for there's been some others that have popped up that are really cool as well, where uh, there's another one I just, I just joined uh, after the gig it's called uh, where bands put up their shows and uh, you know, how it went and uh, pictures and videos. And they also advertise on there for musicians. uh, If you're looking for musicians. So I think social media has really helped the local music scene. As far as that goes, get, get uh, more noticed and get their word out there a little bit. Austin, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, I did, like I said, I did more of the singer-songwriter original circuit, and when I was doing May Halls a lot, you had um, 
a lot of great people at Mayhalls. One of them was Dylan Glover, who I'm not sure if he does booking there anymore, but uh, he was he was a great resource that was doing a lot of the booking for Mayhalls. And he even turned the upstairs apartment. He would have some art shows there and whatnot. So he, he was a, a great um, kind of liaison for the local music scene. I didn't personally know him that well, but I, he was always kind of in the background, kind of making things actually happen at May Hall. So, and if you just went to a May Hall show and hung out, you ended up meeting a lot of other musicians there. Yeah. Um, and then for the, for, again, for original music, Bravo Artists is a big local company. Um, the, the person that I was, was in contact with was Alex Tucker who uh, did a lot of the booking for Bravo Artist. Again, not sure if he does now, but I know Bravo Artist um, is still out there uh, booking shows and whatnot. And they would get bands from all over, you know, local Ohio areas. And sometimes it would be opening up for a bigger group. Sometimes it would be an all local show, um, but it was, it was more about the original music. They weren't, you know, set on doing like the cover stuff. So that's, that's the arena that I come from more. Oh, that's great to hear, especially from both sides. It's like, there's of course the pre-social media era, and then we do have Facebook. There are other ways to promote now. It also sounds like there are ample opportunities to get connected with some of these local venues, figure out who's booking what shows and get on board. So yeah, that's it's really exciting to hear people are looking to have local talent perform live music. Yeah, and I think something um, Austin didn't mention that uh, I know he'll remember when I say it though, but something else that I thought was pretty cool when he was, again, cause he was doing singer songwriter stuff. Uh, some of these coffee houses or bookstores, you know, mm-hmm. would have, you know, acoustic duos in there uh, for original music. And I think that was a really, really cool way to, to bring in, um, to bring people together, you yeah. know? Yeah, and actually that reminds me like as far as something like that is getting your foot in the door in some of these places. Right. Cleveland has a plethora of open mics, open mic nights, and um, they are obviously more conducive to singer-songwriter or, or smaller acts, um, but there is so many. Uh, Lakewood has a, a ton of them, which is where I usually did them, but uh, like Tremont has a lot, Cleveland yeah. Heights has a lot, and their coffee shops, their bookstores, and, um, and usually from there, not only like open mic, the root cafe was Tuesdays and because of COVID, you know, obviously they haven't been doing it, but theirs was uh, Tuesdays hosted by a guy named Zella, who was another local music performer, but you would go there on a Tuesday night and I think signups were at like seven or something and you would leave around 10 and the amount of musicians you can meet in one night and you could bring your CDs, you could talk to other musicians and then more times than not, you were able to talk to the person who just helped book shows there and you could say hey you know I just played the open mic what do you think was it good enough can I do my own show here you know whatever and that was enough and if you didn't have that then you could meet other musicians who were playing out and say another one musician will come up and say hey I liked what you were doing oh I liked what you were doing and then you were able to maybe do a show together or something so open mic nights are huge if you are that doing the original stuff a great opportunity to take advantage of networking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, they sound great. Thanks for sharing that. So there's the open mic nights. Now, what my curiosity has piqued because, you know, so let's say someone out there is interested in getting booked. What is the typical way of doing that? If someone doesn't know, how, how would you explain that to someone new? Well, I think uh, Austin actually, you know, kind of <clears throat> led you right into that actually. And 
and for uh, for I know for myself and I know for Austin too, that was probably the biggest way was doing open mic nights, uh, getting yourself in at some of these some of these places and, and you know not worrying about if you're getting paid or not, you know, um, offer to play for free. Um, you know, parties are great, but realistically, you know, a lot of times parties aren't going to get you a, a, a gig anywhere. Whereas these open mics, like Austin brought up, you know, the owners are there, other owners of other clubs are there because they're they're looking for talent. They're out there because they know musicians are coming out and showcasing their band or showcasing whatever it is that they have themselves. Or, um, and I think probably that's the best way to get yourself out there and get noticed is start going to open mic nights, let let other musicians get to know other musicians, let them know that you're out there and, and show them what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the networking at a couple things. Um, one of them, so I mentioned Bravo artists earlier um, and on their Facebook page, sometimes they would literally have something as simple as, hey, there is a heavy metal show at May Hall's February 21st, we're looking for an opening act, comment your band's name if you guys want to play. And it would be something as simple as that. And then, you know, you'd comment your band's name and then whoever was running that post would look and they might just reach out to you. Sometimes it's as simple as that with social media. The other thing I would say is you it's an industry on the small or the large level where you just have to be very forward. And it can literally just be as simple as going on somebody's website Huh, let's see who the talent buyer is yep. clicking on their email address and shooting them an email. Hey, uh, my name's so-and-so I have a band blank. Here's a couple songs that we do. Here's uh, you know, a video of us performing live. Here's our Facebook page. And, and they may not respond and it's very possible they don't. Right. But they also may, I mean, I've definitely gotten gigs by literally just doing that. I just, Hey, uh, this person books at so-and-so send them an email, give them a couple songs, give them a YouTube video, Facebook, and uh, they reach back and they're like, hey, I actually like this, you know? Um, yeah, let's do something. And then the other thing is, I, I don't know how popular it is anymore, but you know, it used to be called working the line. And again, this was always for um, uh, more like original stuff, but you would see this in two ways. So working the line, like House of Blues would have a big show, right? And so you'd pick out a show that was doing your type of music, and you would go to that, not to the concert, but you'd go and hang out at the line outside that people were lined up for that show. And you would pass out your CDs. Maybe you had a, um, a card with a QR code that led to your Facebook or something. And eventually, again, you would just network and you'd meet somebody else. Oh, hey, dude, that's cool. I'm in a local band too. You know, we're actually doing a show. I'm going to make sure I check you guys out. So that, that was a big thing that used to happen a lot. Like I said, I don't know, COVID has changed everything. So I don't know what this will look like post COVID, but um, you know, working the line or hawking the line um, was a, a big thing that people did. And it just referred to hanging out at a show of someone's music that's like yours and just passing out your stuff for free, you know, and, and seeing, uh, seeing how much feedback you get from that. That's a great way. It's great to hear that you can pretty much make these opportunities like just grab them by the horns, make these mixing opportunities, go out and network. And whether you're on the line, whether you're on the email or whether you're at the open mic, these are your opportunities to connect out there. It's amazing that something that might seem small or something that might seem easy for rejection, like the email, 
might just be your doorway in. That's awesome to hear. It's a, it's an industry that I think as much as obviously it's been improved by social media and those kind of things, it's an industry that is still old school in the fact of networking and word of mouth. Yeah. That's, that's really how you're going to make everything happen. You could do a social media post all day, but if no one likes your page or doesn't know about you yet, it's not going to go to anybody. Well, how do you get them to like your page and know about you? You go to places and you talk to people and you tell them about it. Yeah, right. So it still goes back to just, you know, even, you know, pre-social media, you just got to get out there and talk to people. That's how you're going to make connections. Yeah. It is so cool. So shifting gears a little bit, um, how would you say Cleveland's music industry, even if it's just local artists or even some of the bigger acts, how are we connected with some of these other hubs that you might think of like LA, New York, even some international audiences? For me, um, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see a lot of that connection. You know, I think it, I think it kind of stays, you know, each city kind of has their own thing. You know, you go in Chicago uh, and they've got, and, and I've been in Chicago in the music scene there and not playing, but I've been there and seen some of the things that, you know, some of the local bands there. And I see how they, how they, and it's, everybody's kind of like in their own little bubble in each city. Now, to what you were, to the question, I think it would be great if we could come up with a way to kind of bring all of that together, you know, bring some of these outlying places together and, and go, hey, what are you guys doing in Chicago? And maybe get some of these local bands to try to get back out there um, and maybe to be able to go to Chicago. Maybe you got a band here in Cleveland and, and if we did have some type of network that connected, then, you know, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're playing Cleveland, but then, um, you know, next month we're going to be in Chicago or next month we're going to be in North Carolina, you know, wherever. Uh, but I, right now, I don't think it, it goes back to what we were saying, basics again. Well, if you want to do that now, you just got to kind of do exactly what you're doing here in Cleveland, there in Chicago or in New York or wherever else. Yeah, I think to add to that, something that serves as an advantage both an advantage and disadvantage in the Cleveland music scene. And again, speaking from the more original side is that Cleveland has a huge DIY music scene. Everything is, again, how, how can we do this ourselves? And the advantage to that is, right, that you end up getting things pop up like house shows, right? Where somebody just gets a bunch of musicians that they know and they charge two bucks a head who walks through the door of the house and uh, there you go. That. And you got a great little show, right? And, um, and sometimes you, you can actually make a decent little money. I mean, I've done some at like Lakewood, you know, where it's a duplex, you know, and a guy who owns the duplex really likes live music and he gets three or four people together. Um, and again, charges a buck, two bucks a head or, or leaves a donation jar at the front door. Hey, if you're gonna come stay for the music, throw some money in. Hey, you leave with 25, 50 bucks for every artist, you know? So the advantage is what I just said, the disadvantage is it creates this little insulated bubble <laughs> where we, nobody lately got, likes to leave it. You know, it's like, Hey, I've got my safe DIY seed and I'm going to stick in my safe DIY seed. The cool thing is if depending on the person who, who is running the DIY scene, they'll get people from out of, out of state. Yeah. Um, so I've, and so same thing. I've been at some of these house shows where I play and there is the, the main act is somebody from Chicago, is somebody from Indiana, is somebody from Pennsylvania. 
and then you meet them and you say, hey, we play some similar music. Like, are you going to do anything like this down in Chicago or Pennsylvania? And they're like, yeah, actually, I'm going to do a house show in Pennsylvania. Why don't you drive down to Pennsylvania? So that's one way. And again, then once you're there, you network and now you're in person and then you talk to people in Pennsylvania, you know, or Chicago or wherever you are. So that is, that is one way. And then um, this is an area where I think social media can be very useful actually is um, because obviously what we're talking about that um, uh, grants that you're privileged enough that you have the money and the time to drive somewhere, right? <laughs> or, or spend a night somewhere else, which not everybody has those resources, but something like social media is completely free. You can set up a, you know, a music Facebook page and you could start networking with people in other, uh, in other states. So you find X person plays your music in uh, California, well, you send them a Facebook message, right? Hey, blah, 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 blah. We should, and now I think COVID has taught us things like Zoom, where now maybe, maybe you can't afford to drive to California and play a show with this person, but maybe you set up a Zoom show. You know, I, I can't remember the names of the platforms now, but there's been a couple platforms that have emerged since COVID that specify, hey, we're for music performances. And you can even have like a dollar thing to get the code like the code to the video to log into the music performance. And that could be a way for you and a person from California to do a show together where you don't have to spend any money on getting to California. But next thing you know, their friends from California log into the Zoom or whatever platform to watch you and your friends from Cleveland log in and now they're viewing the person from California and nobody had to travel anymore and, and nobody had to spend the money. So that's, that's something new that I haven't per personally done but I see that it's happening now. Yeah, that's, you know, Austin, that's great uh, because that's something, like I said, that because I haven't done it either, uh, I didn't think of, but you're absolutely right. That's probably one of the biggest ways, Marty, that, that you can uh, get yourself out there is by doing the Zoom, um, you know, because like you said, you could Zoom people from California. They could be watching you wherever, wherever they're at, and you could get noticed that way. I obviously am more of a cover band, you know, blues, Southern rock cover band where Austin is uh, more original singer, songwriter, original music. So you're kind of getting, um, you know, both perspectives, which, which they're a little bit different. You know, the, a lot, a lot of them, a lot of the things are the same as far as marketing and promoting and getting yourself out there. But there's a, some little nuances that come with what he does and in, in difference is a little bit different than what I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, for one, it is great to hear that the technology is starting to catch up with what we need. Um, I was not familiar with some of these services that let you virtually connect um, your music from Ohio to California or even the other way. So it's great to hear that those things are catching up, that there are opportunities for us to connect that way. I think that's really great to hear. It's not just the old Zoom meeting all the time Right. It seems like there are other things emerging and that might be a great thing, especially for the foreseeable future here. Yeah. And I think even though it started, it's weird because I think this really gained popularity because of COVID. But to the point maybe that you're making, um, I, this probably will be something that'll stay because I think people are going to go, hey, this is a really cool idea. Like I'm here in Cleveland, Ohio, and I've got people out in California watching me. 
you know, and who knows, right? Uh, in these other bigger cities, Chicago, New York, California, who knows who's watching? Yeah. Yeah. So, so leaning over to a new question, um, why have either of you invested your time, energy, or even your personal finances into the entertainment industry? Some people might look at it differently than others, but what reward or what value have you personally received from this local industry? You know, really, I, I, I gotta be honest, for me, it's, you, you do invest a lot, right? Uh, I mean, uh, I think there was a Facebook meme that was going around with something with, uh, uh, the typical musician, right, has like $5,000 or $10,000 worth of equipment in a $500 car driving 500 miles to go and make $5. <laughs> but you do it for the passion. You do it for the love of what, you know, because it's what you love to do, you know, um, for me. And, and so you don't mind. In fact, we were sitting here talking uh, this morning and the, the other day, me and Austin, about investing more and getting new guitars and you know, but it, it's really because it's just your passion, you know, and it's something you absolutely love. Yeah, I was going to add to that. And it's not as an insult to your question, because it's a question that people want to ask, right? But it's kind of a silly question, right? Why does somebody go on to be an accountant? Probably because they like accounting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's, it comes down to something as simple as yeah. that, right? Why do you invest in anything? because you like doing it, because yeah. you enjoy something about it. Something about it brings you a level of happiness that you do it. So why, yeah, why will I invest in a new guitar when I'm still eating the same rice and beans meal? <laughs> right, because I like playing a new guitar, right? I mean, that's, um, you know, I don't that's think, so true. I think sometimes we look for like a really like deeper answer to yeah. that when the answer is just really simple and that just some things make us happy, right? Yeah. And like I said, it goes back to why does anybody do anything? Why do you yeah. spend money on X when you don't actually need X? Because X makes you happy. And yeah. that's all that's needed, I think, sometimes. I think uh, both of us, as with other local musicians, yeah, of course, you see it as like you're living, right, for, for some people. But at the end of the day, they like playing music. They like yeah. getting other people to listen to music. They, they see that when other people listen to music, it makes other people feel good. And they like being in that environment. They like having fun. That's, that's what it is at the end of the day. You know? you know, you mentioned something, Austin, about making people feel good. And, and I think that's a huge part, too, that, that kind of gets a little bit ignored sometimes. Like uh, musicians are just up there kind of for themselves, you know, which you are up there for yourself. Because like we just said, in, in, in a certain respect, because, yeah, you're getting enjoyment out of it. But part of it, a huge part of it is that for any musician you love to see other people get into it and have fun. And because it makes you, I don't know if it kind of, I don't know how I want to say it, but it kind of makes it go, yeah, this is why I do this. You know, see, everybody loves this. Everybody's feeling the same feeling I'm feeling right now. You know, that's kind of how it makes you feel like we're all together on this. And, it, and I think truly, I mean, you hear it and it's cliche, but it's the truth. It, it brings people together. You know, it, it's like that one language that nobody really has to learn. Every, you just kind of know it, you know, music and everybody relates to it. That's awesome. So just leading with passion. 100%. You love something, go do it. 100%. That's I'm exactly hearing. right. Yeah. And I, I actually, this whole conversation leads me to something new. And I'm thinking, 
you know, if you, we could almost ignore this pandemic situation, just imagine it's not happening. Or if you do want to treat that as the current reality, that's fine. But I'm curious, what are the trends with live music? Are you noticing people coming out to your concerts? Are there times where people are like, eh, I don't know, like, I don't know if anyone's going to come out to this or what are we seeing either with the emergence of these virtual concerts or, you know, what is that opportunity going to look like in the future? Well, you know, I'll answer first. I know for me, um, during the pandemic, you saw everybody, obviously, because everybody was so, uh, nobody knew what was happening and how this was going to affect. So yeah, people weren't going out. But what I have seen now over the last year is that at the end of the day, even with Zoom and even though people have been doing shows on the internet and all this stuff, at the end of the day, there's still nothing like going out and seeing a live band and feeling the energy, being there with the crowd. So um, I think you're, that's never going to go away, I guess, is the point I'm making. You know, live people going out and seeing live, that's never going to go away because there's just something to that. Everybody being together, me and Austin have had this conversation before about everybody being in the same room, listening to a band and everybody feeling the same feeling. There's something to that that's almost, again, cliche, but almost magical, really, to where everybody's like, wow, we're all, we're all on the same page. Everybody's feeling the same vibe going on here. You know, so, so I think you're, gonna, you're never going to see people like switch, I guess, maybe to your question, you know, like, you think people are going to, you know, go out less and because now Zoom is on. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's just going to be another added way of people getting themselves out there. But at the end of the day, people want to see you perform live and they're going to want to come out and see you. Yeah, I would agree with that. There's definitely always going to be something to seeing live music. So it'll certainly stick around. And, and once people feel even more comfortable getting out, it'll probably increase tenfold the attendance of some yeah, of these types of events. I bet. Um, yes. I think something interesting I think will happen is I think the whole the Zoom or the you know Facebook Live videos or whatever will now serve as a catalyst for more people to join the scene. Because now if you can't get a show, right? If you can't get a live show, well, you just do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you go back to the DIY scene. You post a thing on your Facebook page and you say, hey, everybody, log in, 8 p.m. Friday. I'll have a Venmo thing up if you want to donate money, but I'm going to sit and play guitar for an hour. Yeah. Bam, next thing you know, you don't need anybody to give you a show to let you play on their stage. You've made your own stage. It's the same thing that happened with uh, kind of the, the decline in going for a record deal. What did people start doing? They started making their own record labels right. because they said, oh, well, if Big Wig over here isn't going to give me a record deal, I'll give myself a record deal. I'm just going to make the label. Same thing. Well, if this talent booker isn't going to give me a stage to play, I'll make the stage. The stage is going to be my bedroom and I'll tell everybody they can log in. And you put a, a you know, people from all, again, people from all over the uh, world really <laughs> can log in and see you play. You could post a Venmo thing. You could uh, still earn some money. And next thing you know, you get somebody who watches you and they say, hey, they reach out to you. I saw you on, you know, your live video performance. Now you're playing a live show. So I think it'll, it'll, the, both things will stick around. Um, the, the video thing will stick around because it'll, 
serve as a better entryway for some people, but live music will certainly stick around because yeah, it, there really is. Anybody who's been to a live concert and likes a live concert uh, cannot deny the difference in uh, feeling when you're at a live for concert sure. versus when you're sitting at home on Zoom or whatever. Absolutely. So it's, it's feeling that energy going out there and feeling a connection either with the band or if you are the performer, feeling it with the audience and seeing people sing your songs. Even if you're a cover band and you, you know the words, you realize that more than half the people out there are singing your music. And you know if you're getting that on Zoom, that's cool. Like It is cool. We're getting these Facebook Live things going. We have these other technologies emerging, like we said earlier. But like to feel it. To be in the room, feel the drums in your chest yeah. is totally different. And I can, I can attest to that. Part of that. But, but you got to feel the music. And there is something very human about that. So it's comforting to hear that both of you seem to believe this is not going away anytime soon. Once we're able to be healthy and a, a thriving um, population of humanity, we will be able to go back, enjoy our music, enjoy our culture, and get out there and really feel this human need. Yeah, you got it, exactly. Absolutely. All right, I wanna thank you for those really in-depth industry-related questions. What I'd like to do is move on over, switch over to some speed round questions. And these are hard hitting questions from anywhere between the musician who inspired you all the way to your favorite sports team, if you have one. So how do we feel? We're ready for this? All right. <laughs> yeah, let's start with the easy one. Um, musician that inspires you. Oh, well, for me, does it have to be a musician or a band? You know, because it could be a group. Yeah, because for me, it was, you know, Southern rock probably was the number one influence. I mean, I, I love jazz. I love all kinds of different type of music. Um, but probably the most influential on me was Southern rock. Um, most inspired by now, uh, Milk Carton Kids, uh, folk duo, um, good harmonies, good lyrics, good acoustic guitar playing, raw great <laughs> and larry why why southern rock you know what's what's the appeal to that yeah you know I, I i really i don't know there's that was just you know when i was in high school actually middle school you know um and mo at the time most people were listening to um led zeppelin and, and you know Aerosmith and alice cooper which i loved all of those bands you know but, and I, I can't explain it really, but like when I listened to the Allman Brothers or when I would listen to Leonard Skinner or Marshall Tucker or you know the Outlaws or Charlie Daniels band, there was just something about that music for me that I felt connected to. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can relate to this. I can relate to this music. It, whether it was the words, whether it was the music, I, I don't know. But for me, there was just something there that I that I connected with that I felt like, yeah, this this is me. Like, this, yeah, I, this is what I should be doing. Wow, awesome, awesome. I need, I need to know <laughs> the film major favorite movie, your movie TV show, something you like to do, kick up your feet. Whew. Yeah, uh, I mean, I like a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like a lot of movies. I like a lot of shows. Um, 
My favorite movie would probably be um, Taking Woodstock. I really like it's with uh, Dimitri Martin. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it follows pretty closely how what happened actually at Woodstock and, uh, you know, Max Yasker, who owned the farm that uh, Woodstock occurred on. Um, so I, that's a that's a great movie. It's funny. It's music inspired. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I love that kind of stuff and and shows. Um, I like like time period pieces. So like I love the Sherlock show. Um, you know, that's that, that kind of stuff like the 1800s and, you know, like the Jack the Ripper shows like those are always cool, you know, where it kind of dramatized the police force at the time and the investigations and those are always uh, fun to me. <laughs> For me, I would say, um, you know, uh, one of the, the best shows that has come out recently, it's on Access TV, is uh, The Big Interview with Dan Rather. That's probably one of my favorite, where he just interviews uh, just a multitude of different musicians from all the genres. I mean, everything from Linda Ronstadt to, you know, Metallica to you name it, everything from A to Z. And it really is very, very cool because it gives you a little bit more insight um, on a personal level with those musicians and maybe some of the struggles they went through that you never knew about. Um, so that, that's probably one of my favorite shows recently that within the last couple of years that I've been really hooked on. And then um, there's the Daryl's House that I love, um, Sammy Hagar Roadshow, you know, obviously all of mine, a lot of mine are around the music. So I, I absolutely love all those shows. Um, as far as outside of music, uh, movies, I'm a big horror guy. So anything, any kind of horror picture, whether it's, a, you know, A film, B film or C film, it's all, I don't care how cheesy it is. I love it. <laughs> that is a shock to me. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> horror. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Horror movies. Awesome. Yeah. Like I said, even if they're a B or C, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, and now I want to know, either of you have one, favorite play, like a theater performance? Um, I would say, I mean, I saw the Blue Man Group, the, the theater yeah. performance, love the Blue Man Group. Um, but my favorite one that still sticks out to me is uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, I saw that at Playhouse and the, uh, I'm like, horrible at remembering the story from start to finish but as far as just the theatrics when the, the main guy with the mask he was like hanging from the chandelier and um yeah I just thought that was like so cool <laughs> so Phantom of the Opera it's great so I haven't been to a play in years but one of the major plays that I would love to uh have seen is Phantom of the Opera that's one that I've always wanted to go see awesome yeah. Well, it, you know, it has some horror elements in there. Exactly. Yeah, it might yeah. tap into that. It's a little know. bit spooky, kind of, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because there's clearly a musical score to it. So maybe we're yeah. still drawn to the music. We're drawn to the theatrics, the drama, 100%. and the horror. It's all there. Yeah, that's right. It's all there. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Favorite sports team, athlete, or just... Thing you like to watch for fun? Probably, me and Austin are probably both on the same page with this because we're being musicians. We're not really big sports people, but you know, I love my Cleveland Browns and I love the Cleveland Indians. So you know, I'm a Cleveland guy. You know? Yeah, uh, Browns. Yeah, I mean, I, I as far as watching sports, the football is like one of the 
main sports that I watch and fully understand. So uh, Cleveland Browns, got to go, got to go with the Browns. Got to go with the Brownies. Especially this year. Especially this year. Yeah. Oh God, they killed it. Uh, now, and you know, we're typical Browns fan, both me and my son. So we're both like everybody else in that this is good. This next year is going to be the year. <laughs> if, if every industry had that one group that had such a loyal fan base, nothing would ever cease to exist as the Browns because there was year after year. I would have friends coming up to me being like, want to go to the Browns game? Like, sure. Tickets aren't all that much. You know, we'll, we'll go. <laughs> You'd just like walk in and, and go. But now it's like, okay, those people bragging rights. Those people are like, yeah, you know, I've been on the Browns train for the past 10 years. Like, <laughs> You're right. If every musician had that, oh, if every chef God. had that, <laughs> no, no one would ever fail. That's right. <laughs> You'd always have an audience. That's right, man. Picture of yeah, if we had if bands had loyal audiences like that, right? Showed up to every gig you played. <laughs> it is truly spectacular. <laughs> yeah. So I my final question for you is if you have a favorite author. Oh, Austin. Austin's the reader. <laughs> uh, um, hmm. Uh, yeah, that's like really hard. Um, Jack Kerouac is probably like the main person I was reading the most of uh, late high school and in my early 20s. And um, he's from the beat generation, writes a lot about traveling primarily um, on the road is like his big book that a bunch of college students always find themselves reading. And um, recently, I like uh, Paul Auster a lot. He's uh, from Brooklyn, but um, he's more popular in um, like Austria and stuff. Um, and he writes, some people call it like surreal fiction or surreal detective fiction. He writes just kind of like really weird stories, um, but he is a prolific author. He writes a lot. And um, Gotta represent the female authors too. Donna Tart is uh, fantastic. Goldfinch is like her big book. They made a movie out of it, and a lot of people critique the movie because it rushes it. But the book, uh, I read that actually early COVID. I was during quarantine, and uh, I, I read uh, The Goldfinch on my porch uh, every day. I was able to sit on the porch for like six, seven hours and read The Goldfinch, like an eight or nine hundred page book. But that is a fantastic book, and. Our other one, The Secret History, is one of her first ones that I read. So Donna Tart, Paul Auster, Jack Kerouac, top three, probably. Awesome. Yeah, for me, I, you know, I don't read a lot anymore, but probably some of my favorite authors were Don Miguel, Miguel, I guess, and uh, Leo Piscaglia. Kind of read, you know, it's kind of on the Eastern philosophy side of things. Hmm. It's just amazing to hear um, through each interview how well-rounded people are. It's just truly remarkable. You go through some of these questions, it's like, <laughs> favorite music? Might be an easier one. You get to some of these authors, you get to some of the sports, it's like, yeah, I'm hearing yeah. some stuff. I, I learn seriously from, from each answer. <laughs> like, yeah. wow, there's definitely another world out there. Don't get locked into just one industry. Expose yourself to the art that's out there and I think that's probably great, Martin. Expose yourself to all that's out there. Reading, music, plays, 
art in any form, uh, go to an art show, art in any form is good for the soul. Well, that's what I have for you. So thank you both for being the experimental bunch on two guests on one show. So this has been the third episode of Cleveland's Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Barnard. I hope to have you around next time. Thank you.